Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and we've arrived at the last episode of our Birth Stories for the Summer series. Today, Jamie Hitt tells us about her VBAC and all the ways she prepared differently from her first birth in order to make it happen, including an unexpected external cephalic version. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Natural Breastfeeding and their free quick start video which shows you a simple technique to prevent nipple pain and the easiest way to help your newborn latch and for you to produce enough milk for your baby. Go watch it at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be, dads and dads-to-be. I want to thank you, as always, for all the love you give the show through your messages and reviews, like the one that Kayla recently left on iTunes, saying that the podcast had has been cathartic for her, a working mom-to-be who's the sole pregnant lady amongst all her friends. She says, quote, I don't want to talk about baby all the time, but there are significant changes happening to my mindset, my body, and my life with my spouse, and these are topics I want to think about and discuss. Unfortunately, Adriana can't talk back to me, but it's been wonderful to listen to so many topics relevant to my current experience. Kayla, I may not be able to talk to you directly, but I can certainly give you this shout out and thank you for your review as well as wish you a lovely and flowing birth and postpartum experience. Thank you. Thank you. And if you, mighty listener, are enjoying the show, then do consider leaving a review on iTunes because it truly helps. All right. So today brings us to the last story of our birth stories for the summer series. And I can't believe we've the summer's gone by. We've gotten through all these stories. Next week, I'm going to be back to talking to the birth pros And I've got some fantastic shows lined up for you, including one on vaccines with Dr. Paul Thomas and another on the third stage of labor with Dr. Sarah Buckley. But today, Jamie Hitt is here to talk about the birth of her second child, who was born via VBAC in September of last year. And I'm sure we'll get a bit of insight into the first birth as well and how she prepared differently for the second. So, Jamie, welcome. Thank you so much, Adriana. Thank you for having me on the show today. Absolutely. I'm so happy you're here to do this. And so September 2015, that means your daughter's about to be one. Yes, we are full on swing in planning a one-year-old birthday party. (laughs) Ah, Well, happy early birthday to him and birthday to you. Thank you. It's harder when you say it because there's no, like, birthday is one word in my mind, and then birth day to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What a perfect time to re- to remember what happened. So it really is. Yay. Do you want to jump in right in with that second story? Or did you want to give us a little bit of, of just broad strokes about your first birth? Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about my first birth, um, just because I'm going to be reflecting a lot on my first birth before going to the second one, because it's I mean, it's hard not to compare both of them. They're two very different um, experiences. Mm-hmm. And the first one is the reason why I had the VBAC for the second one. So Right, right. Um, so take, actually, 
Yeah, take us back to when you were pregnant with your first. And what, where was your mind then in terms of birth, in terms of what you wanted, how you prepared? Uh, Yeah. So with my first, um, he was um, a surprise. Well, both of my children were surprises. But um, he, I did not do a lot of research with him. And I put a lot of faith in in my doctor and kind of just followed the steps that they prescribed. Um, I did want to have a natural birth, but I wasn't opposed to having um, an epidural if needed. But I did want definitely a vaginal birth. Um, as we got closer to his due date, um, he was doing April. Um, we did a late term ultrasound and, um, they said that the baby was approximately 10 pounds at that point. And if we gave him another week or two, you know, he could get much larger. Um, and I was feeling pretty big at that point. So I didn't argue with that point. Um, but I'll never forget the, the nurse's face when she kind of said, uh, you're in here for the gestational size, aren't you? Because this baby is really big. Um, it just seemed like the office staff that I spoke to that day, all of them were driving the point home of very scary. The baby is big, very, very big. Um, so I was about, I was 38 weeks at that appointment. Um, and we thought about it overnight. And the next day scheduled his birth. Um, we scheduled a cesarean section for 39 weeks in one day. And um, he wound up being 8 pounds and 13 ounces when he was born, which is a decent size, but it's not 10 pounds. Right. And and there's always like, like when you are pregnant late term or late in your pregnancy and somebody says this baby's really big, like that's one of the worst things they can tell yeah, you. Yeah, it is. It is. Because you have to think, well, and I have to get this baby out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, again, I'm going to go back and forth between the two stories, but I, towards the end of my second pregnancy, I asked my doctor, you know, is there any way that I can tell that this baby is going to be as big as my first baby? And, you know, will you do an ultrasound? And he said, the only, um, you know, for sure way or any, um, reference is to ask the mom how the mom feels about the baby inside her. The ultrasounds are not accurate. Um, you know, even the tummy measurements is not an accurate um, size of the baby. You know, they can see how it, how it's progressing, but you really can't tell until the mo- you know the baby is out, and you know the mom can kind of have a reference in her mind of how does this pregnancy feel different. So, just interesting to mm-hmm. find his perspective was much different. And how individualized and how, you know, honoring that you're the one carrying this child and you you know better than anybody else what this yes. baby feels like, right? Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. And then there's the whole other component of, yes, baby size is one thing, but even positioning and yes. flexibility in your pelvis and baby's positioning, those things have a lot more to do with. The, whether a baby can go, you know, come through the pelvis mm-hmm. more than just size alone. Mm-hmm. I remember at one conference I went to, Ina May Gaskin, she said, anybody who's ever told you that your baby can't fit through your pelvis has lied to you. And I was like, well, that's a bold statement. <laughs> but no, it's because you have to, you kind of have to try it. Like, it's not just the size. And yeah, yeah. They they don't know unless you've actually tried, and yeah, it, I think it's just taking confidence away from the woman by immediately telling them 
they can't or the baby's too big to. Which is a scary thought. Like this yeah. baby's big is just that's that's just scary. All yeah. Right. So. So, um, so I wasn't really upset about the, the cesarean section um, overall. Um, it wasn't a terrible experience. I did um, have a longer time in the hospital. It was four days in the hospital as opposed to two days with my daughter. Um, uh, but the actual recovery time, you know, I had a lot of pain in my scar for probably eight or eight or ten months. Um that's you know, a I would, long time. It is. Yeah. It was a lot of like a stretchy kind of feeling like it just, it wasn't, it didn't feel normal. It didn't feel comfortable. Um, you know, so that was a big reason for why I wanted a different type of birth. Should I ever get pregnant again? Um, and while I was, um, you know, raising my son, you know, breastfeeding, going to the doctor's office, VBAC came up to me in that way. Um, because it's a more natural approach. So, you know, we did a lot of, um, we did breastfeeding, obviously. I did a lot of research on iron supplements uh, based on what I heard from my pediatrician, um, co-sleeping, delaying solids, and all of that kind of linked together. And, you know, VBAC just kept coming up, you know, that the vaginal birth is better for the baby rather than a cesarean section. So uh, it put a little bit of, you know, doubt in my mind of, did I not give him the best possible chance because I didn't research more on, on should I actually have that C-section. Um, so there's that part. Um, I also felt like um, during the cesarean section, I heard him cry when he came out. Um, and then my husband was talking to me, you know, talking about his size. And, you know, they were doing his measurements, cleaning him off. And I'm laying on the table and I uh, felt a little bit nauseous. So they started to push some medication to kind of alleviate that. But I don't, and I really don't even know what they pushed or how much. Um, but he kept talking to me to kind of keep me in the moment. Um, and I remember hearing him, but I couldn't respond to him. So that was... I mean, that was a big part of, I felt very detached from the birth. Um, you know, he wasn't with me. I carried him for nine months and all of a sudden he was gone. It was, you know, a real separation. While I know a lot of women carry regret over having a C-section, you know, they're, um, they feel very upset about how the way things turned out. I didn't really carry a lot of um, resentment because it wasn't a terrible experience. But at the same time, I wanted to feel more attached to it. It was my birth as much as it was his. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's why I wanted to have a VBAC. Yeah. And it seems like it's hard when you don't know. It, it's hard when you're being scared into having, making a choice, which seems, you know, we, we put that faith into on, on our providers. Right. And then it goes back to that whole first decision of how important it is to choose a care provider that is aligned to your ideas. Right. And supportive of you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like that's the biggest first decision made for a birth is mm-hmm. way months before when you choose who's going to who's going to be there to yep. catch that baby. So that was my very first thing that I did when I found out I was pregnant, you know, well, after I told my husband, <laughs> um, then I, I had to find a VBAC, a doctor that would support me in a VBAC. Um, and 
finding that doctor wasn't going to be easy either. So I did a lot of phone calls to different offices, um, and I wound up finding a website called ICANN, um, the International Cesarean Awareness Network. And um, I had a lot of support on that on our local Atlanta board. Um, but they basically taught me the difference between a VBAC supportive provider and a VBAC tolerant provider. Um, so as I was making these phone calls to different um, doctors, you know, I would say I had a previous cesarean. I'm looking to have a trial of labor this time and hopefully a VBAC. Um, do you, does your office support that? And I was met with, yes, we support it, but you have to deliver before 40 weeks or you have to not have gestational diabetes or, um, you know, the baby has to be shown on the ultrasound under 10 pounds, you know, if the baby is over other things may happen or just very unclear answers. Um, I did wind up finding a doctor who didn't have any kind of restrictions like that. Um, And he said, I brought my, my husband to the first interview with him. And he, I said, you know, what happens if I go over 42 weeks? And he was like, well, let's just get to 43 weeks and then we'll just decide. (laughs) Wow. And I remember thinking, like, I can't even imagine being pregnant 43 weeks. My, <laughs> my son was uh, 39 weeks in one day. I, I don't want to go anything past that. But, you know, um, it, it was nice to have someone put it back on you, on your body. Let your body do what it needs to do because it can do it Is was more of how I got the feel from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was so you hired one. him. <laughs> yes. So I said, we're, we're sold. Let's do it. <laughs> um, my second step was then um, convincing my husband that it was safe because a lot of people don't believe that uh, VBAC is a safe option. Um, very scared of uterine rupture. Um, you know, a lot of providers will immediately tell you no. I did go back to my first doctor and ask him just, I guess, for giggles, even though I know he was going to say no, um, if he would support a VBAC. Um, and he basically tried to scare me by telling me that he had a woman try a VBAC and her baby wound up being brain dead and they almost lost the mother. It, it ended in a C-section anyway, um, which again, the scare tactics. Um, so in any case, I had to really bring my husband on board because he heard all of that as well. Um, so I went out and looked for another birthing class. We did take a class with my, um, with my son. Um, it was at the hospital. We took a breastfeeding class and we took a, a childbirth class. Um, but I wanted something that was really going to be unique to VBAC. Um, you know, give me really the facts. Is it that dangerous? Is it um, safe? And what am I in for, basically? Um, so we found a step a, a class with Baby Steps. It's called Intuitive Birthing Class. And they taught more about, um, you know, what will happen during your birth rather than what the hospital class taught was more of how to be a good patient, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they talked about eating during labor, how that was good. And, you know, VBAC is, is not as um, scary as people want to say it is. Um, you know, we talked about our individual feel, fears, what my biggest fear was, having another C-section this time, um, what my husband's biggest fear was. He didn't want to have the baby on the side of the road <laughs> on the way to the hospital. <laughs> um, you know, but getting those things out in the open and what we really wanted out of this birth, out of, um, you know, labor and birth. Um, so, and we actually made a... Uh, 
a birthing plan. I didn't have a birth plan with my first child. Um, I, I think there's a lot of stigma s- surrounding the birth plan. Um, but I think it's really important for a couple to talk about what that they want. Um, it's not something that you've ever done before and it's not something that you do every day. So having a plan is a good thing to have in place. If you deviate it from it, I mean, okay, you know, things happen, but I think it's very important to have some sort of birth plan in place so you both know where where your eventual goal should be or what you want it to be. Mm -hmm. And I think the birth plan gets a really bad rap by when it's like 20 pages long and you feel that if it doesn't go like it's like it's a contract. It's not. It's just a guide. It's of your wishes. It's your ideal. And you know, you should keep it resume style, really bullet point and the things that narrow it down to what's truly most important to you. But yeah, like you say, if you don't, it it has that first fabulous objective of getting you to figure out what you want and doing the research. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and several times I brought this plan into my doctor's office and went over it with um, his receptionist, with his, um, with his staff and with him and talked about, you know, different aspects and why something would be favorable and why I wouldn't want something else. Um, and the class definitely helped as well. Um, one of the things that we talked about a bunch of times was delaying the cord clamping. And I listened to your podcast too about that in conjunction to this conversation with the doctor. Um, but I really wanted to have at least three minutes was my, um, request. I'm sorry, at least five minutes was my request. Um, and he, he didn't really align with that aspect of it. Um, but he was willing to give me three minutes, um, of delayed cord clamping, which I was satisfied with. I mean, at the end of the day, VBAC was my number one goal and having some delayed cord clamping, um, was an added plus to it. So I, you know, I didn't push too much on that one, but that was the one thing that we kind of, we didn't really want to meet in the middle with. Mm-hmm. Um, when even comes three in, minutes, though, you heard yeah. the podcast, even three minutes, more than 70% of the, within the first minute, more than 70% of that blood that's retaining the placenta transfers to baby. So right. yeah, even waiting one minute is is great. Yes, which I know my son didn't have. So I, I really wanted some of that for my daughter. Um, okay, so that was that. Another thing I did was um, I did a I exercised a ton during my second pregnancy. Um, For my first, I took the approach of the baby's hungry, the baby is craving ice cream or a milkshake or waffles or whatever it was. Um, I avoided a lot of that with my second pregnancy. And I also, instead of eating, I went to the gym and I did CrossFit for majority of my pregnancy to keep in good shape. And um, I did a lot of squats you know, um, sitting in the squatting position to get ready for the pushing position. Um, a lot of cat cows and pelvic tilts, um, to kind of get ready for her to come. Um, so during my pregnancy also, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this too, at around, I think I was around 30 weeks. I started going to a chiropractor around, I guess, 24 weeks. It was like the beginning of the third trimester. I started to have some pain shooting down the back of my leg, and I wondered if it was because of the baby's positioning. Um, So I went to a chiropractor um, once a week to kind of make sure everything was aligned and correct. Um, And then around 30 weeks, I went to the doctor, and baby had been head down in great position the whole time um, up until 30 weeks. And he said, you know, what did you do this week? Because all of a sudden, she has turned around. 
Um, and so I was a little, you know, distraught about it, but I remember going to spinning babies and I have heard other women doing this and spinning their babies. And we had plenty of time before the, um, due date before she was going to be coming. So, um, I, I thought to myself, it's not going to be any big deal. She'll flip before the birth. So he left the room and came back like five or 10 minutes later with someone else there and said, you know, we're just going to flip her right here. Um, you know, if she flips back, she flips back, but hopefully we'll just flip her once and we'll be fine. So, um, it took about 10 or 15 minutes, but he did do, is it a, is it an EV, EVC, I think? In, in an external, external, uh, cephal- cephalic version. Yeah. I just call it yeah. an external version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, even that's hard to say a little bit. Um, but he did, he did one in the office so that, um, she would go back to being head down, <laughs> which was, it was exciting for me. Cause I don't think that my other doctor would have ever entertained such a thing. I don't think a lot of doctors would have done that in their office. Um, and I've got to ask you though, because you, you, you just like, how did it feel? And yeah. How did it feel? It felt terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it did. It, it was a little bit painful. Um, you know, but your belly is big at that point. I was about 30 weeks and, you know, her moving in there was starting to get to the phase where it was almost uncomfortable. So him, he had to literally push on her head one way and then her, on her, her little booty, I guess, mm-hmm. to the other, the other direction to kind of get her to turn. And I think that pressure is what hurt the most, but, when I and I had pain for about twenty four to forty eight hours after, not terrible, but um, definitely pain was there. Um, but I still I left the office and I was like, they just flipped my baby. That was incredible. <laughs> yeah, and the the reason I ask is because there's a lot of I don't think we talk a lot about versions, and it's a very unique uh, experience. But yes. I I myself had one as well. How weird, right? Yeah. That we both had one. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's just, it is a lot of pressure, but it's done to me. It was, I was, I was confident that it was going to work. And the doctor that I had, had a lot of experience doing them. And I find that it's one of those things that the more you do them, the more you do them. So his success, in my case, his success rate was over 60%, which is huge. Um, And, and yeah, it's a lot of pressure, especially going sideways when they get to that traverse, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the yes. shorter end. And then, but it's done in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I came out and I went to the receptionist to make my next appointment, she was like, so he flipped your baby, huh? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, he does that a lot. She's like, I'm glad he was able to get her. <laughs> mm. So, um, and it did, it, it really reinforced my, my conviction in, I made the right choice. Like he's more of a natural approach. He wanted to get things back on track with her inside internally. Um, it really just reinstilled, I'm going to, I'm going to rock this V back. Like it's just, just, just what's going to happen. <laughs> How fabulous um, that you had that constant feedback. Yes. Of, of, yeah. I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of scaring you. Yes. And I, and again, I think that's so important with finding a provider that's going to actually support you with that. Um, so let's jump forward. Um, you know what? We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, let's get to the meat of the story. Let's get you to like when you labor started. Yes. Okay. We'll be right back. 
Research tells us that 92% of new moms report significant problems with breastfeeding within the first week and that common problems include nipple pain, milk production, and latching. Let me tell you, nipple pain sucks. It is no fun at all. And the thing is that it only takes a couple of badly latched breastfeeding sessions for your nipples to become unnecessarily damaged. Do yourself a favor and go watch Dr. Teresa Nesbitt and Nancy Moorbacher's free quick start video that gives you everything, everything you need to know to get started with natural breastfeeding. I have seen these techniques work time and time again since this is what I teach my doula clients and it's also super comfortable to do. I'm telling you, your back will not hurt from breastfeeding if you use these techniques. So go do it. Go watch the quick start video to natural breastfeeding at naturalbreastfeeding.com. And we are back talking to Jamie Hitt about her birth stories. And she's going to jump in and tell us about her fabulous feedback. <laughs> okay, so the good stuff. Um, I went into labor on a Tuesday night. It was about 6.30, 7 o'clock. I was giving my son a bath, um, very early labor. Um, I, and I was giving my son a bath and I told my husband, you know, I think something, something's different. Something's going on. Either we're starting labor or I don't, maybe I ate something bad, but <laughs> in the back of uh, my head, I, I thought, you know, this is it. This is the start of it. Um, by about 10 o'clock that night, I could feel that the, you know, the pressure waves were coming, coming and going. Like you could actually tell the beginning and end of a contraction. They weren't, um, you know, anything paint too painful. They're about 30 seconds long, um, somewhere between six and 10 minutes apart, very erratic, but it was definitely something starting. Um, so all night now, and I was so excited to actually get to this point and be able to go into labor on my own because I, you know, I wasn't able to have a spontaneous labor the first time. So I didn't experience this much. Um, the whole night I, I downloaded a little app to track my contractions. Um, and I tried to get sleep, but I think the excitement kind of took over a little bit. Um, at about four in the morning, I, on Wednesday morning, I wrote a, a note to my um, boss and was like, you know, I think I think you got to write me out on maternity leave at this point because the baby is coming. Um, I took my son to school that morning and I, I wasn't in a rush at all. I just kind of e eased my time. I didn't want to rush to the hospital. Um, and I kind of tried to enjoy just the me and him time because this pretty much the last couple of days where he was going to be my only baby. So um, we went to breakfast. We just kind of took our time. And my mom, my all of my family actually lives um, up in New Jersey while I live in, down here in Georgia. So my mom was going to come in and help and be there for the birth. And we tried really hard to make sure that she was going to be there before she was born. Um, and again, I was 38 weeks, five days on that Wednesday. So we thought maybe she'll be there a little bit early. She flew in at 11 that morning, and I just decided to drive down to the hospital or down to the airport and pick her up, um, which was what not were the your, best. What were your contractions <laughs> doing at that point when you're driving? <laughs> they still, you know, as I think back on it, I probably should have known just how early I was in the process because I could drive. I was still eating. I was still laughing. And like, I think I was just so overly excited to feel something that felt like labor. Um, it, it, they weren't really too terrible, but as soon as I got to the airport, I did have her drive. 
<laughs> Welcome, mom. You flew in. Now drive. <laughs> you made it. I said to her, you know, I kept it a secret until she got off the plan and the plane and landed in um, Atlanta. And I said, you know, you're going to have to drive when you get out here because the baby knew you were coming. So she's going to come out today. <laughs> and my mom just laughed. And, you know, she was really excited that she made it there in time. I'm um, sure. Yeah. So we all thought, you know, the next day or so the baby would be coming. Uh, little did we know. <laughs> um, so Wednesday, we just kind of, we again, we just took it easy. We went and walked around Target. Um, it was September, so they had a lot of um, decorations for Halloween up. We did a little bit of Halloween shopping. Um, I jumped on my baby board and told my um, baby board group that the Halloween costumes were on sale in Target. And they were like, didn't you just say you were in labor yesterday? What are you doing? <laughs> Um, so again, I was just, you know, everything that I had learned up to this point was walk the baby out, just keep walking, keep moving, keep doing your squats and, you know, walk the baby out. So that's what I was trying to do. Um, that night I, you know, was still about the same as a little bit more, um, intense in the contractions. Like they were, uh, on the pain scale a little higher, but still erratic and still not lasting very long. Um, so I, I did jump in the tub and I used, um, hypno babies and the CDs, a friend of mine had let me borrow them, um, just to kind of relax and I guess get myself out of that too excited phase. Cause I, I think maybe I knew I was kind of stalling myself out. Um, I tried to relax and really like reset at that point. Um, so Wednesday night went to sleep Thursday morning, I got up and it was still the same thing. I didn't really get much sleep on um, Wednesday to Thursday night, but again, the um, intensity was picking up of the, with the contractions. And there really wasn't any point where it was like, okay, good, I had an hour without contractions. Like they were still coming every, I'd say the max in between was 15 minutes, but they were still pretty, pretty steady. Um, so it wasn't like I could really relax at night and get a good night's sleep either. Mm -hmm. um, Thursday afternoon, I had a doctor's appointment. So we walked around, um, it was either Babies or Us or Bye Bye Baby on Thursday, um, just to kind of buy some last minute stuff. And again, keep walking, keep moving. I was, you know, pushing the cart and squatting down when I had a contraction, just trying to pull her down. Um, went to my appointment um, in the afternoon and I, we got um, a sandwich on the way there because you know, eating, that's good. Um, and I went to the office and my doctor was like, um, you said you thought you were in labor, but there's food in your hand. Why are you eating if you think you're in labor? Because <laughs> um, you can. <laughs> I, yeah. And I, you know, I was like, not everybody has that opinion, I guess. I'm like, you know, I've, it's been about 48 hours now and I'm still hungry and I need a lot of energy because I hadn't slept either. So yeah. he's like, well, let's check you out and see exactly where you are. So I was, um, dilated to four centimeters. This was the first time in my pregnancy too, that I was checked. He didn't um, check my cervix at all. Um, which again was very different from my first doctor at once we got down to our weekly visits, he was checking me every week. Um, which in my opinion can also be, um, bad for the mom, I guess, uh, it, get, it, it gets into your head if you say, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm 38 weeks and I'm only one centimeter dilated. What's going on? Don't even worry about it at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's why have that knowledge? Why? You don't really need it. Plus, it um, doesn't tell you like how far it's taken to get there or how long it'll be to get right. baby out. It's just a snapshot of that moment. Like I take a exactly. picture of you and you close your eyes. Oh, you had your eyes closed. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, um, so this was the first time that he checked me. So I was four centimeters dilated, um, 80% effaced and the baby was at a negative two station so I was like oh good job I'm like four centimeters dilated almost halfway there pretty proud of myself for Mm -hmm. you know making it this far um so he said no I don't think you should go to the hospital just yet um you should probably just go home try to relax um and give me a call when they get closer together um or you you feel um that they're too much for you to handle and you're going to go to the hospital. So on one hand, I was like, well, a little bit disappointed that he didn't send me immediately to the hospital because, again, I was so excited to, one, meet my baby and, two, have my V back. Um, so I went home. I took another bath. I put on my HypnoBaby CDs on Thursday night. Um, and my, as I'm listening to those, trying to kind of mentally get in that place, my husband came in and he um, showed me this video on YouTube. I don't know if you've heard of the um, the band Semisonic. They play this song called Closing Time. Um, the, well, the lyrics kind of sound like it's um, time to get out of a bar, basically, and go home. Mm-hmm. But the artist actually did a breakdown of what those lyrics mean. And it's actually talking about a woman giving birth. Um, you know, it's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. You Duh. can't. <laughs> um, I did not know that that song was about that. (laughs) I've, you know, heard that song many times in the 90s, but I did not know that was a birth (laughs) song. Yeah, so he was just trying to kind of get me back into, I guess, the mindset of of being more comfortable. Because at this point, I was really starting to get down about how long it was taking. And I was just very tired at this point. So... It was nice that he brought that in and I, that moment is kind of sketched in my mind of like being in the tub and, um, you know, the smell of the essential oils and just willing her to come out. <laughs> so um, at like nine o'clock, um, I told my husband, you know, the contractions were getting really hard. They were about three minutes apart and we lived about 45 minutes from the hospital. So we didn't want to make it again. That was his biggest fear was having the baby on the side of the road. Um, so we go in ahead and got in the car and called, um, my friend who was going to watch the baby to come over to the house. Um, so we went to the hospital and, uh, they got me in pretty quickly. The nurse checked me and I was still out of four. Um, so now I was like completely broken down. I was crying. Um, she's like, you can walk around the hallway and if you, um, dilate any further, then we'll call the doctor back and see if he wants you to stay. Um, but unfortunately we just don't think you're ready to, to come in just yet. And I, it was mentally, I think I just, I didn't want one of those false alarms either. I I think it just, I, you know, you've never been in labor before. You want to be able to know when it's time, but sometimes it's just not, unfortunately. And it is really hard. I mean, you've had a long, late, these things, the contractions started Tuesday, right? Yeah, and now it's Thursday Thursday night. evening, and you got checked, and you were four, and you got checked again, and you were four. It it can be very discouraging because you're tired, and it it requires you to dig deep, for sure. Yes, 
So I did. I walked around for an hour. She checked me a third time, um, and I was not anything more than a four. So she did. They gave me an Ambien at the hospital, um, and I, when we went back home, I, you know, I took that and tried to pass out for a little bit. It, I think I got a little bit of sleep that night, but not enough to really move things along. Um, so Friday morning, now it's day three, and I just I wouldn't get out of bed. I was mad. I was upset. I was cranky. Um, My husband came in at like 1130, 12 o'clock and was like, you have to get out of bed. You have to walk. This is what we learned in class. This is what you want to do. You know, really trying to encourage me to keep it moving. So I said, okay, fine. I'll get out of bed. We got out of bed. We went to um, Kohl's this time. We did a lot of shopping during our walking. Um, First, we went to get something to eat. And again, hindsight is, is hundred percent, but, um, we went to get something to eat and I didn't want to eat anything. Um, so I should have known at that point that we were getting at least close. Um, I wouldn't eat anything. Then we went to Kohl's to walk around and I, again, the contractions were like really, really bad. Um, so I was squatting down on one of the clothing racks and the lady came over to me and was like, is she in labor? Do we need an ambulance? She should not be doing that here. She was just (laughs) very offended that I was laboring in her store. Um, so I was thankful to have both my birth partners, my mom and my husband there. Um, and they were kind of just like back off, you know, let her do her thing. Um, we did leave after that. We went home and I had planned on getting the bath again, even though I had done that the last two nights. Um, and I went to the bathroom and I had a lot of, um, a lot of blood and mucus. I, I had had a little bit prior on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday too. Um, but this point it was like, it was a lot of blood to make me kind of say, maybe something's wrong. Maybe it's not right. Which was probably just my bloody show looking back. But, um, that kind of said to me, okay, get in the car and, and go back. So we went back to the hospital. Um, this time I went with my mom. And Cliff stayed home to wait for the babysitter so that she could watch my son. Um, We got there at like 4.30. And instead of getting us right in, they were pretty busy at this time. So I had to wait in a wheelchair um, in the lobby there. And there were a lot of other birthing women there. Actually, I don't know that they were all birthing. They could have just been pregnant. But it was a little bit embarrassing to have to be in this part of labor where I was vocally having to move through contractions in a wheelchair, it, you know, with other people sitting there, it was kind of, it wasn't comfortable at all. Um, so I had gotten up, I think we were waiting about two hours to be actually admitted and, and checked. So after about an hour of sitting there, I got up and I was like, you know, I am trying to be quiet and polite for all these other people, but I just don't care at this point. I was loud working through my contractions. I went over to the phone booth and used that to squat on. And I'm walking back and forth in front of the nurse's desk just to kind of make sure they know I am not kidding. Like, this is not a drill. Um, We finally got in, and they did check me again. And I thought, for sure, I'm going to be at, like, an 8 or a 9. And she was like, you're a 5, maybe a (laughs) 6. So, um, again, like, those checks. I, they get in your head, man. They do. Um, they really do. So, But if it was over a four, I was able to stay. So at this point, it was like, I think it was like eight or nine o'clock. And in the I morning? Called, um, at night, on at Friday night. night. Okay, Friday, Friday. Yeah. Yes. So I called my husband and he was going to be on his way down. The whole time we were waiting there, he was texting like, don't have the baby until I get there. And I'm like, relax. She's not in a rush. <laughs> um. So uh, he finally got there, and I 
or before he got there, I called him and I said, you know, I know we talked about, I don't want the epidural, but I think at this point I'm going to ask for it. Please don't be mad at me. (laughs) You know, please don't be mad at the doctor whatever. And he's like, no, he's like, you know, I'm supportive of what you want. He's like, you know, you can't go back if you have the epidural. So make sure it's what you want. And Adriana, I was just beat at this point. So they did wind up giving me the epidural. And all, like I said in the beginning, it's important to have your birth plan, but if you have to deviate, you have to be able to be flexible. I did not want that HEPLOC, um, which was something that was going to be mandatory, and I was prepared to fight to refuse it when I got into the hospital. But again, I was so beaten down. I was like, do whatever you have to do. I need that epidural right now. It just it changed. You know, my, my birth plan changed. What I wanted changed, and that has to be okay. Yeah. And circumstances are a huge part of that. Like, you've been at yes. this for five days now. Yes. Yeah, three days. Three days. Yeah. No, well, Tuesday and it's Friday. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep counting the nights. I oh. mean, it could have been a month for real. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, the HEPLOC was one of the things that um, I, you know, again, I was ready to fight, but I just, I let them do it. And she said, you know, you're really dehydrated. How, when, you know, have you drink, have you eaten anything or drank anything? And I didn't eat that whole day. It just, it had gotten to me so much. They had a hard time placing the IV. Um, so I needed those fluids. I really needed to get that into me. Um, and I needed, again, the um, epidural so that I could rest. By the time they got the epidural in, um, it was like maybe 20 minutes, but I just, I passed out. I was gone. Um, and I woke up at like 2.30 and they said, when I, when they admitted me, they were like, oh, the doctor's on his way, so he should be in soon. Again, that was like 8.30, 9 o'clock. When I passed out and woke back up again, I guess I got like four or five hours of sleep maybe. Um, it was about 2.30 and the doctor still wasn't there, but I rang the button and I told my mom, I was like, you know, either this is wearing off or it's going to get to be time to push now. Um, she got the nurse to come in and they were like, yeah, the doctor will be here soon. Um, well, it was another hour before he showed up, um, but they did check me at that point and said, you know, yeah, you're, you're pretty close. Oh, I'm so sorry. I skipped when they gave me my epidural. They did break my water at that point. Okay. Um, which was important only because looking back, um, I think he asked them to break my water to see if there was any meconium in there. And she, you know, she said, no, it tested negative when, when she broke my water. This is all going back. And we were rehashing the, the birth afterwards, my okay. mom and I. Um, so now he comes in and we're getting ready to push. Um, and the room had been quiet up until then. You know, it was just kind of me working through their contractions. Um, and then uh, as soon as he came in, the whole room like sprung into action. They were, you know, they were putting putting the bed out for the baby. He was instructing my mom on where to go, instructing my, my husband on where to go. And again, another image that's just like etched in my mind, like straight out of a movie. I had my mom on one side pulling one leg up, my husband on the other side pulling the other leg up. And it was, it was very empowering. I know that being on your back is not the best position to push a baby out. But when you have an epidural, you don't really have much choice. Um, but it was like my own little movie play right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he said um, it, it was about maybe five minutes into me pushing. It wasn't very long um, if I wanted to feel the baby's head because she was crowning at that point. Um, so I did. I, I reached down and I felt her head coming out, which was really cool. 
Um, and then a few minutes later, she was out. They put the baby right on onto my chest, which was um, so different from having my son. Um, and she stayed on my chest for at least an hour and a half um, while they stitched me up. I did have one um, first degree tear. Um, and I did have meconium or she did have meconium in her water, um, which made me really nervous initially as I was like, oh, they're going to have to take her to the NICU and, you know, um, clean out her lungs and whatnot. Um, but they didn't. He said, you know, they did a little check while she was on my chest and she was crying and breathing just fine. So they just left her there and let me hold her, which was very, very important to me. Um, but yeah, um, there it is. Yay! <laughs> That's so amazing that you, yeah. so you fell asleep and your body kept doing its thing and you labored her right down so that, you know, she must, I mean, they didn't tell you, right, like what station she was when he got there? No, they didn't tell me when, when she got there, but um, they did, when they did do the epidural, they said she was, she had come down much lower. Um, and when they broke my water, I could hear the little, you know, like a snap. And I was waiting for that gush to feel the gush between my legs. But she said not much was able to come out because the baby's head was right there pressing on it, you know, closing that gap. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that he got there and you started pushing and five minutes later had his crowning, she's yeah. had to be right, right there. Yeah, she was totally ready to come out. Um, it, before he got there, I kind of joked around with the nurse and I was like, you know, if he's not here pretty soon, I'm going to need you to figure this out and get this baby out because I don't think I can wait much longer. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. How, so, you know, you've told us a little bit about the differences of having her go right to your chest and having her hang out for an hour and a half. Did, uh, did she, was she showing hunger cues? Did she start breastfeeding? She did. She amazing, amazing to me. She um, so I placed her on my chest, and I, you know, that pain just kind of immediately goes away. They say that, but in the moment, it it was just gone. It was such a relief. The pressure is gone, um, and I just focused on her and let her do what she wanted to do. She was kind of um, uh, opening and closing her hand on my chest there, and then little by little, letting her do what she wanted to do. She wiggled herself down to the breast and breastfed on her own within that hour and a half. Um, they it's didn't amazing that they do it that. It really is. They didn't clean her off at all. They did put a hat on her and they had a blanket over um, her and my chest, which I was completely um, bare on my chest. Um, so skin to skin. Very cool. Um, my husband was very grossed out. My mom got a picture of it because, <laughs> again, she has meconium. So she was covered in these little poop, I guess, all over in her hair, curly black hair. Um and uh, he was so grossed out. My mom has a picture of his face like, uh, we need to clean her like uh, right now. And I'm like, no, we're not giving her a bath. Not right away. <laughs> that's fantastic. And it's it's like, you know, she's got a bunch of stuff, which is a little bit of meconium, but, you know, it might be some yeah. blood, might be some amniotic fluid. But the, the so back to Ina May. Ina May calls the first few poops the meconium poop, which is the gear and she calls it packing material. Because yeah. really, it's, you know, he your baby's in the uterus, so it's not necessarily, it's not bacterial-filled poop from having a big hamburger. Mm -hmm. Right, yes. So, yeah, your baby's just not, it's gooey, but not necessarily so icky. Yes. Mm -hmm. oh, that's a great story. I'm so glad you got your V back. Thank you. Me too. Thank you. Yeah. And so what was the hardest part about this labor? 
Um, the waiting game, I think. Um, I, I don't think I was ready for that. I, you know, I knew it was a possibility, but I don't think I mentally prepared myself for it could be several days. I, uh, we had a little board at work that everybody was guessing what day the baby would arrive. Um, and my boss actually bet on Saturday, um, the day she was born. And so Tuesday night when, or Wednesday morning, rather, when I shot him that email real early, early in the morning, he was like, I need her to wait until Saturday. Cause that's my day. No. <laughs> And I was like, no, she's not waiting till Saturday. Um, clearly she's coming now, but <laughs> sure enough, Saturday was the day. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, I mean, I think that's a great point that it takes a long time to get from whatever you are to active labor, which is more five to six centimeters. Yes. And mm-hmm. then it kind of really, you, you know, not always, but it tends to be quicker from then to baby born than whatever it takes to get to five. And, you know, like in your case, it can take days. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was all worth it. Um, we did, we also delayed her bath too, um, which I know is a common recommendation or a not common recommendation. We delayed all of her procedures, basically, um, any kind of shots that she were to get. Um, we did skip the ointment that they put on the baby's eyes, because um, that was one of the things that we learned in class that was only imperative um, for certain cases, and in our case, it wasn't needed. Um and then we delayed her bath. My mom actually gave her the bath at about 12 that day. She was born at 4 in the morning. Um, and my mom gave her a bath, which was very special. I just feel like her birth was so special compared to my son's, which was very scheduled. Mm. So. And you you wanted to talk about the recoveries, too. You had mentioned that how different the recoveries were. Yes. So with my son, I needed to – he was born um, in the afternoon at like 6.30 um, PM. And then I wasn't able to get out of bed until six 30 the next day in the morning. Um, I say I wasn't able to get out of bed. I couldn't get out of bed by myself. And when they came in to get me out of bed, I didn't want to get out of bed because I was still in so much pain. Um, but they made me walk to the bathroom and go to the bathroom and it was, it was painful. It was hard. Um, So with my daughter, um, she was born at four in the morning and by eight o'clock we were all walking to, you know, the recover, our recovery room or what would be our recovery room. And I willfully got up and did it myself. Um, much different than with my son, much different. Mm -hmm. Um, which was also really important to me since he would still be around and I'd still have to take care of him while she was born. Um, we went home after two days, um, and I was trying to break out after that first day. <laughs> um, and with my son, I was in the hospital for four days. Um, at home, I was still, you know, walking around, doing things around my house. You know, obviously not pushing it, but being able to take care of myself, not only the baby. You know, um, whereas with my son, I needed a lot of extra help. I wasn't able to walk up the stairs. I couldn't drive a car. I couldn't. Um, you know, do much of anything. I was still walking very, very slow. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, I mean, cesareans are a great thing, and they are very safe, and they've come a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not knocking cesareans specifically here. It's just sometimes they aren't necessary. 
Right. There's a time and, the, and a place. And um, scheduling one, in my case, probably would, wasn't the best um, scenario. I didn't necessarily need one. Um, I can tell you I definitely didn't need one because um, my son was 8 pounds, 15 ounces. My daughter was born 8 pounds, 13 ounces. <laughs> so very similar in size, and she came out just fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and the 10-pounders are born all the yep. time. And, yeah, so it's a good point to, like, really consider all the situations and, and get that care provider mm-hmm. <laughs> that yes. is supportive of you. It's huge. It's yes, huge. I, that would be my number one suggestion for someone looking for a VBAC. Get on um, your International Cesarean Awareness Network local board. Um, org, and find yourself a provider. Talk to the women there and get their experiences and find yourself a VBAC supportive provider. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. What other um, parting words do you want to give the listeners out there? Um, wow, I think I covered everything. I really want to thank you for what you're doing with the show too, though. Um, I listened to your podcast. It was part of preparing for this labor too. We listened to one on eating during birth and um, the wonder weeks to prepare for when she was actually here. I really appreciate everything that you are putting out there for women and for new mamas. Um, I think it's really great. Thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, that means a lot. That means a lot. And thank you for coming on and sharing your birth story. That was, I'm really glad you were able to go along and do your v-back and that she flipped even though she was you know because wow there's that whole thing about breach right that yeah. we've lost that art yeah. um so yeah congratulations and early happy again happy early early birthday thank you thank you so much Mighty Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter or subscribe at birthful.com. And if you want to further support the podcast and join my adventure in figuring out how to do things differently, then go to patreon.com slash birthful and check out all the different pledge and reward levels, including an exclusive monthly Q&A chat with me and much more. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous birthful library. Happy listening.